Folks, it's your host Al Bolter here from the Cat Principle Podcast, and welcome back. As if some of you have heard the previous podcasts, uh, it's based upon my book called The Cat Principle Change Action Trust Words to Live By. It's a book I published originally back in 2013, 2014. It won an award in 2014, though it was a winner of the 2014 Global Ebooks Award uh, for Best Self Help Nonfiction Ebook. And I did do a revised and expanded uh, edition, and in 2016 it was awarded the Silver Medal out of the Global Ebook Awards out of Santa, Santa Barbara, California. Well, the reason I tell you this is the, the book is essentially composed of three sections dealing with change, action, and trust. And um, the previous podcast I've done, the first one, I did a first uh, edition on the theme of, of change followed up by a couple of interviews that you may want to check out uh, talking about the theme of change. Uh, and then I did a second, uh, the second edition was the, um, the second part of the book was the, the part on action. And uh, I went through that, described it, and talked about it. And then we did a, I also did a follow-up, like an interview there as well with a gentleman who um, was very successful in sales and you can also listen to that if you haven't listened to it yet. It's an excellent interview. I, I highly recommend it. So now, after a bit of a break, uh, as I mentioned on some of the blogs I've been publishing recently about the road trip I took last August, uh, I've I finally decided to uh, broadcast, do a podcast on the third part of the theme of the book, namely trust which uh, I've, I've received feedback from many people, uh, some of uh, who have read the book and some have listened to some of the podcasts talking about, uh, about this. And trust is, is a huge one for everybody, as we know. And so I, uh, I figured it's about time that I do, uh, I do a segment on trust. And uh, my goal is here to have two segments, each about an hour. So there'll be two parts to this. And I will kick this off, the, the segments off with um, with the prelude. In the book, I have a prelude to each of the sections for change, action, and trust. And so, with that, I will um, read the prelude from the book, and then break, and then we'll come back and talk about trust in the part one of that. So uh, again, I, uh, I hope you enjoy this. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about the book, you can go to my website at www.albertbolter.com. The book is available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes & Noble. Check it out. And if you do, I'd love to hear from you or any comments you can provide via my website. And uh, yeah, so with that, let's, uh, let's kick off the prelude and then get into the uh, to the meat of the podcast for trust. Be back in a moment. The Road to Trust, a Prelude. Childhood memories have a way of mesmerizing events into our psyche. We're young the world is new and we're moldable. It's like a sculptor etching his creation into our infant minds. At the time, we may not recognize the meaning or breath of such chiseled marks upon our innocent souls, but as time passes and the endless loop of memories plays back, we start to wonder, 
One such memory for me dates back to that time of life when we take a step into the world beyond the street curb. We embark upon a journey what may seem like Christopher Columbus setting sail for the new world, without the guise of knowing what and who may wait upon our arrival, should we ever arrive. It's a time awash with new and unfamiliar faces in a strange and faraway place. Really just a block away, but seen more like from here to eternity. That makes the security and certainty of anyone's childhood backyard impregnable by comparison. Welcome to the new world of kindergarten. It was during those early days of sleep breaks, story reading, and toy playing that one particular episode of Grand Sculptor Proportions indelibly left an imprint. I'll never forget that moment when the teacher dragged me across the vinyl tile floor scolding me for not respecting other kindergarten freshmen wanting to play with the toy wooden trains. Oh, the utter humiliation. The utter disgrace. I felt like Charlie Brown as Lucy pulls the football out from underneath him. Blockhead. That memory stuck, as no doubt many similar memories of your own have stuck. But I'm glad it's stuck. Not glad for the humiliation and disgrace, but glad for the lesson it taught. A lesson of respect for others. Respect for others, a recurring theme throughout our formative years, whether brought to us on the home front or brought to us through schools and institutions, hopefully not penal, is a great and wonderful thing. It's the arbiter of how our lives mesh with others as we journey through time. But if I may allow one critique glancing back on those impressionable years, then it would have to be this. We could all use a little more talk about self-respect, because ultimately, all trust finds its genesis in self-respect. Like charity, respect starts at home, and the home in this case is us. In order to truly respect and trust others, and have others respect and trust us, we must be able to respect and trust ourselves. Yet many of us pretend away this nugget of wisdom, as if yesterday's news. Self-respect is the ability to appreciate oneself while also admitting that we're all fallible human creatures. It's not false pride, but the opposite. Misplaced pride is deep-seated insecurity, whereas self-respect is recognizing one's real self and taking responsibility for one's actions, good or bad. It doesn't complain, it doesn't play victim, and is always willing to accept the consequences of one's deeds. Conclusively, it's what in bygone times was referred to as character. We can always tell a person is self-respect. They're often unflappable, stolid, and purposeful in demeanor and yet they radiate a sense of empathy and warmth for the human condition. A clear distinguishing feature from those we might otherwise label as an empty soul. The words empty and soul do not belong together. Soul, by its very definition, entails emotional and spiritual warmth, while empty means, well, empty. Yet no two words describe more perfectly those people we sometimes encounter who leave us breathlessly asking ourselves, what was that all about? This contradictory play on words reflects the mixed feelings felt in the presence of these charming yet somehow acrimonious individuals. 
Something doesn't quite add up. We can't place it, but our gut says otherwise, providing we allow it and their charm doesn't obscure our thinking. Unlike the self-respecting person, life for the empty soul is but a charade, a mirage, and almost hallucinatory. They show signs of caring for and respecting others. However, deep down, it's a game void of meaning. Deep down, it's a black hole of despair buttressed by an unending lack of feeling, a lack of self-respect, and with that, a lack of trust, both given and taken. Simply put, life is hell for the empty soul, but they'd never dare show or admit it. To the world, the empty soul is all smiles, forever in perpetual motion, never suffering a bad day. Bad days are beneath them, just as the rest of humanity is. Fleeting here, fleeting there, the empty soul can't stay still, and abhors silence with a vengeance. Staying still and silence are synonymous with self-reflection, and nothing scares an empty soul more, lest they discover who they truly are, or more poignantly, who they truly aren't. In the eyes of the empty soul, respect and trust are nothing more than platitudes, tools, and means to an end. They're just devices in the arsenal to fulfill agendas and manipulate conquests. To the weary, gullible, and the unsuspecting, the empty soul oozes confidence, zest, and sincerity. But with time, the cracks appear. Below the refinement, below the elegance, below the phony veneer, wades an affluence of disgust, arrogance, and pomposity, traits cloaking for an otherwise sad and empty soul yearning to be heard, yearning to self-respect and trust. On the contrary, the self-respecting make no airs, garner no pretensions. They know who they are and what they're about. They recognize their failings and make no apologies for their imperfections. They're real in the truest sense. Phony is not in their vocabulary, and their respect and trust for others is genuine, not a contrived form of flattery. They have the courage to be bold, no matter what others think. They have the courage to be themselves, like them or not. Self-respect is the power to be who we are meant to be. We are not born with it, and that is its beauty. It is choice, choice for us alone to make, choice for us to change, should we so desire. Shall we respect ourselves as much as we respect others? Shall we trust ourselves and have others trust us? Or as would we want to be trusted? We think yes, and yet many of us lead lives of false premises pretending to be something we're not. Let us not be empty souls, but let us be who we are meant to be. Let us respect and trust, and let us be respected and trusted. And in the process, let us never forget to respect and trust ourselves. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed the prelude to this um, part one of 
two parts of the third part of the book I've written called The Cat Principle, Change Action Trust, Words to Live By, with the theme of this, these two segments being trust. And let's face it, man, trust is one big topic. It is something we all deal with in our lives every single day. We, we implicitly have to trust people when we walk across the street with the uh, traffic light and when, it, and when it's green and allows us to walk, we're trusting that the people are going to stop. In every decision we make, we trust that people are going to act, as a, uh, act in a trustful manner with us. So trust is such a big theme in, in our lives, in our relationships, in our professional careers, in our private lives, that it, it, one can re- literally talk hours about the, the subject. And what I'd like to do in these two segments, each will be about 45 minutes to an hour long, is break down trust, talk a bit about it, you know, how, how we can develop trust and, and such in our lives. So I can think of no better way to kick off this podcast than to, to first maybe decipher what is trust? What is it exactly when we talk about it? I mean, we, we all talk about it. And it's just, it's a key thing. And in life, you know, being change, as my two earlier segments of the book, change and action and trust. Well, if, if with life change and taking action, if there's no trust in any of that, then you're a disaster, we're a disaster waiting to happen. Trust is what makes the world go round or doesn't make the world go round if there is no trust. So it's such an critical ingredient in everything we do. And, you know, with trust, amazing things have been done. You know, people have gone to the moon. Everything was based on trust. Every engineer, every astronaut, everything that had to be developed was based on trust. So it's, it's something that, you know, without trust, countries go down the drain. And with it, amazing things can be built. So it's really a fundamental thing. But to drill down into it, and to discover what exactly is trust, there's really two key components to it. And yet most of us, I think, only think of one of those two components. If you ask somebody what trust is, typically the answer will be somebody who is honest and uh, ethical, won't cheat someone, And yes, that's definitely one of the two key components to trust. But often we don't think of the second component of trust. And that's namely being capable. If we ask somebody to do a job or we trust them to do something, if you hand a letter to your child to say, drop in the mailbox, you trust them to get that job done. 
you trust them that they're able to bring it to the mailbox and put it in the slot. So it's really a two two prong thing. Trust it's the honesty, integrity, and ethical part, and it's the other the second part being capable and of getting the job done. And let's just think about this for a moment. You can have an honest, ethical person with no nefarious agendas and ask them to do something, but they're not capable of getting done. There's no result, positive outcome. Then you really can't trust them. And at the same token, you could have somebody who is perfectly capable of getting something done but may exploit or take advantage of the opportunity so in essence it's really those two components that work together to build trust and let's face it the person who can get things done but isn't ethical and honest they're dangerous extremely dangerous because they know what they're doing, but they might not be ethical and honest. And I think that's where we hear a lot about deceptions and uh, scandals in business or uh, all sorts of different um, professions and such. So always remember, trust is built of those two components. And... The most dangerous person anywhere is the one that's capable without ethics. Never forget that. Because often those are the ones that will do anything it takes to get things done. You know, they'll walk over dead bodies to get where they want to go. And that's out there. I mean, all you have to do is watch the news and you'll see it day in, day out. That there are scammers and hucksters everywhere. So... When we act, when we talk about trust, we have to think of it in two, two categories or two components of it, two ingre- key ingredients, ethical and capable. And it's those two ingredients that we really, really must make the foundation of our lives. So I hope, I hope that kind of helps to explain what trust is and that it's... Uh, it's it's such it's an inter, in, in, integral part of our lives, and and one thing to remember is, trust is something that can take a lifetime to build with some people. And in a matter of seconds, it can be destroyed. It's it's really uh, a key thing to remember that it, it trust can disappear in. In, in a split second and really consistency being consistent with all in within all our relationships that's really the hallmark of the true of true character and it's it's never failing anybody it's we're all human things happen but do they happen because there's malintent or do they happen because things sometimes are out of our control the key is where do you come from and in from your heart 
Are you doing the right thing? And are you capable in doing what may be required to be done? So that's trust, really, those two, two key ingredients. So if we move on from that, I mean, I think everybody's heard the term, I've got your back. So when somebody says, ah, don't worry about that, I've got your back, that means we can trust them. And I always think of the analogy with quarterback and football. For those of you, I think most of you listening to this know the game of football, American football. Uh, the quarterback is defended by a group of players, and they've got his back. So he has to rely and trust them, trust the place, trust in them that they're going to protect him. And if he, if he can, he can't run the game. He can't run the plays. So he's got this huge trust on his line. Now, sometimes that line breaks down and people, you know, the opposing team will sack the quarterback, as they call it. That's all, that, that can happen. But he has to implicitly trust the team, his front line, that they will do the best job they can to always get his back to protect him. And that's key. And if they let him down constantly, then it's, at some point he's going to lose faith and trust in his own teammates. And that's going to be the dire results for the team. So thinking about that, in the same way when somebody says they have our backs or have our back, we're trusting them. And when we get blindsided by something they where they let us down, then you know we're being sacked. We feel like that that's we've all been there. I'm I'm sure you've been there, and if you haven't, don't worry. At some point in your life, you will be. So it's really key to remember that that trust. When people say they've got your back. Uh, Yes, trust, but if it's a if if it's an ongoing problem where you have to always look over your shoulder to make sure they're there, then really you don't have the trust you thought. And and you know, one thing I always remember is many many years ago, a colleague of mine explained to me once that the closest relationships often become the most deceitful and hurtful. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's precisely the people that are closest to us who can really harm us the most because they're the people we're typically vulnerable to, we open up to. And all you have to do is ask any divorced couple this. I'm sure they'll nod yes and agree in agreement. Even if they don't agree with anything else between themselves, I'm sure, and, and any of you out there that may have gone through a, a not very friendly divorce, may uh will get this and it's so it's it's fundamental you know to to uh, it's the worst feeling in the world when you're let down by somebody or deceived by somebody it's it's such a terrible feeling and there's really no other way to describe it you know it leaves you feeling speechless you you wonder how you could have been so naive to have trusted that person and and as a result of that we get angry you know, angry is often the byproduct of that with often sometimes we think of, oh man, 
revenge, you know. You know, it was a famous English poet that uh, by the name of William Blake who said, it's easier to forgive an enemy than to forgive a friend. And that's so true. An enemy, you've got them at a distance, but a friend is somebody you've taken into your orbit who knows you, who, who you've opened up with. And there's where, there's where when a failure of trust, when trust breaks down there and uh, negative things happen, that's where it really can be lost. But there's a dilemma, and this is key. In order for that to happen, you have to give trust. Only giving trust can cause betrayal to happen. And to not give trust is leading an empty life. So maybe with, with that thinking that in order for trust to be betrayed, it must first be given. Perhaps in that is the secret, lays the secret on actually how to trust. So how to trust. For those of you that remember the era of Ronald, President Ronald Reagan and uh, Mikhail Gorbachev back in the 80s when the U.S. Soviet summits were going on, Reagan quoted, would often quote a famous Russian proverb. I don't speak Russian, but uh, the proverb in Russian, I think, went with dovarai no provarai, which basically translated means trust but verify. Whenever Reagan met Gorbachev, he would, he would use this. He would always say this phrase to him when they were uh, signing the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, which they were resolving to, to limit nuclear weapons. Uh, he would always use that phrase, trust but verify. And if you think about it, it's, it's a salient point, really, to start any relationship on. Now, some might say, hey, that's not really a true position of trust. For if we trusted somebody, why would we need to verify? And I guess a lot of us go through life, uh, whether in our, in our lives, whether in a personal or business sense, believing everything that's told us. But if, if you think about it, is this really the way we should start any relationship? I mean, should we be like an ostrich with our head buried in the sand? Should we believe that people only have good intentions and that they'd never take advantage of us? Think about that. Of course not. The famous saying, once bitten, twice shy. I mean, doesn't come from not. And those who haven't experienced any betrayal they may not accept this concept of trust but verify. But believe me, experience betrayal just once and I think your outlook will change on this. But then again, you know, some of us never learn from our mistakes. Some of us go through the world naive with uh, 
you know, blue skies, always shiny, uh, always, always out there, and wonder and thinking, oh, you know, people will never, will never uh, take me for a ride, so to say. But if you go through life like that, always thinking nobody will ever do anything. Well, that's, and always, when it does happen, always thinking, oh, how could they do that? Well, that's really, at the core of it, is the classic victim mentality. Because we'll always go about blaming others for our bad things that happen to us, when, when in reality, we didn't have the, the, the thoughtfulness of thinking, okay, well, this person seems bonafide, seems good, seems somebody we can trust, but maybe I should check on a few things. I don't think there's any harm in that. And I think it saves, will save a lot of heartache and will save a lot of pain by, by trusting but verifying. And I think the core, the cold reality is that we have to accept that there are people out there whose sole intent is to manipulate to connive and take advantage of others, all with the goal of furthering their own agenda. And they frankly don't care whether they harm anybody or inflict any pain on anybody. That's besides the point. And there's no shortage of those people out there. And to go through life always trusting automatically, always being on autopilot, but never thinking twice about things, I would say is not a wise way of going through things. I think you'll find that there'll be many disappointments and many betrayals along the way. And the worst thing you can do is to say, well, how could they do that all the time? Well, look at, you got to look inside and you got to think, I kind of let that happen. I didn't see it coming, but maybe I closed my eyes to it. Perhaps, you know, in this day and age with the internet, there's so many opportunities to verify things and double check on things. And perhaps one of the reasons we don't do it is because essentially good natured people can't think of others doing things like that to themselves because they would never do that to others. And I get that. I understand that. But Part of that is because we're reluctant to look at other people's backgrounds or, or check up on things. But you have to think, when financial and emotional stakes are high, and that's whether getting into a long-term relationship, marriage, or getting into a business partnership, shouldn't it be the automatic reflex to check up on a few things? It just seems risky if we don't, especially if there's a lot on, on the line, especially. Maybe the other reason we, we really don't do this is, uh, is just uh, the, the belief, you know, yeah, like why would anyone harm us when, when we wouldn't harm anyone? And that's... That's, uh, you know, as I said, that's, that's part of it. So, 
these are things that really should be thought of when we're when we're talking about trust and and you know looking into things a little bit more deeply i'm not saying you have to verify everything with everybody but if you're getting involved with somebody on a serious basis and you're putting yourself in a position of vulnerability you really have to be able to rely upon and uh, trust the people that what that you're giving this this um, position to that they're they're going to be there for you and you know you may get pushback some people if you probe and ask questions get very defensive how dare you ask me that or who do you think you are asking me that but those are comments that already are, are bearing red flags good people don't get their backs up it's just common sense it's being reasonable and it already makes you wonder in effect it's a way it's a it's a it's a way of projecting onto you that you're the bad one and trying to find out more about somebody if there's nothing to hide there's no reason to be offended and essentially it just shows a sincere interest on the part of the person asking and it develops a deeper understanding for the with the person and a stronger connection and that in itself builds a a relationship upon trust but it, it you know it never fails people turn a blind eye and we want to believe in something and uh, we believe that uh, in what we think is real even though it may not be and any sign that's contrary to that we just kind of throw wayside I and mean, the, the saying love is blind didn't come from nowhere right when you're in a relationship and everything is great and you tend to overlook things but unfortunately that's not reality and reality bites hardest when we least expect it how often have we heard people say man I never saw that coming I actually think most of us do see it coming and I actually think that it's a matter of that we don't want to accept it because we have this ideal in our heads and our minds it's like we're in a fantasy world and we discard any sign that doesn't mesh with that fantasy world you know it's similar to being in a relationship with someone and you find out they're cheating your friends and family may have seen it but you didn't why because we're often too buried into the relationship to see the big picture and we deny anything else that could be wrong denial is a powerful force because when we're in denial it it, it masks the pain of dealing with a hurtful truth and if not dealt with the problem only percolates and only evolves into something worse ask yourself how many divorces could be avoided if eyes and ears were kept open during the bliss of the courtship how many financial losses could have been avoided if somebody thought ahead of time and did their proper due diligence prior to spending their money or investing with someone it makes sense but yet many of us neglect our homework when deciding whether or not to trust someone 
essentially, you could say in matters of love, the heart trumps the brain. And in matters of money, greed trumps sober mathematics. And all you have to do is watch the news to see this. There's always some report on there about the latest telemarketing scheme or sophisticated investment scam or some marriage or relationship fraud. Yeah, it seems that everybody trusts, but they're not doing much verifying. And uh, I think it's time that 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 Russian proverb, trust but verify, I think it's time that uh, we all take that more to heart and uh, it would save a lot of aggravation and heartache and down the road. So with that being said, let's get on to the importance of trust. The importance of trust is the foundation of any healthy relationship. It can't be underestimated. And trust is an either or. It's not an in-between. We either trust or we don't. We can't trust someone 80% of the time. And we can't trust them the, and not trust them the other 20%. It doesn't work that way. And so therein, we must be careful. Right there tells you how we must be careful and we, whom, with, with whom we place our trust. When things go well in our lives, there's no shortage of people in your orbit. Friends of galore. But if things are tough, suddenly a lot of friends, so-called friends, can become scarce. And some people, even when they see you're vulnerable, will put a quote-unquote knife in your back. Sometimes they just wait for the opportune moment to do that. So it's so essential, it's so important to, have, to be surrounded by people that you know you can trust in good times or bad times. And if you want to have any success in your life, you can't have it without trust. It's impossible to accomplish great things without trust. Why? Because success requires teamwork. And teamwork requires the trust. And, and again, we have to trust for integrity and we have to trust for ability, those two, two components. You know, nowadays, we've gotten into an age of, well, technology that those relationships seem harder and harder to come by. And why is that? Well, in the age of the Internet, you know, where everything's at your fingertips, who needs to focus on any one person anymore? You know, now you can have umpteen friends on Facebook or followers on Twitter. You know, millions of people are literally in your reach through your social interactions through the Internet. And the odd thing is, is you walk down any street and you'll be hard pressed to see any people speaking with each other anymore. 
acknowledge one another's and one another's existence. In fact, you say friendly hello to somebody, they look you look you in the eye like, oh, what do you want? So it's it's really a paradoxical world where everything's at your fingertips, and yet so few people seem to be interacting with each other. Has the question, you know, because of this, have we become disposable to one another? Is this just a matter of, ah, well, you know, next? Is that the kind of the attitude now? You know, you can say that with many of the dating sites or whatever. Everything is next, next, next. Swipe left. And yet, so many, we have access to so many opportunities. And yet, how many people do we actually get really, truly deep with? And that, that is what's so important. In spite of all the publicity to the contrary, people need and long for nurturing, trusting relationships. Nowadays, you always hear, well, I don't need anyone. I can get along on my own. Who needs love anyhow? All these sorts of things. And sure, yeah, I'm the biggest person to say that to be happy with somebody or to have friends, you have to be happy with yourself. That goes without saying. But we're social creatures by nature. It's not our nature to just go through lives and not having any deep relationships and interactions with various people. And so I think it's critical that we have the wherewithal to be able to develop trust. If we look back to prior to the time of big government and the technology we have, the family formed the backbone of society and was truly the linchpin of survival. People had no choice. They had to rely on each other. There was no government to take care of them. Within their communities, they looked to themselves to help each other, their churches, their, their, their uh, neighbors. And deep, trusting relationships were built through that. But today, that's hard to imagine. I mean, we live, we live beside our neighbors for years and barely say hello to anybody anymore, if we even do that. So in a sense, lack of trust has hit epidemic proportions. And you see it on the news all the time. You know, horrendous crimes, all the divorces, celebrity divorces, infidelities, political corruption, you know, I can go on and on and on. Millions of people now live in gated communities. Every visitor is screened. Maybe that's a trust and verify. Many of us don't send children to public schools anymore. They send them to private schools. A lack of trust has become insidious in every level of society, and it's leaving us fragmented. It's not a good thing. We see the same in the business world. And if you look back to the 2008 Great Recession, from the mortgage broker to the top players of the bank industry, many of them seem, seemingly tried to buck the system. Instead of being asking themselves, am I doing the right thing? It was take or be taken. And that unfortunately is a widespread attitude. And many of the people back then took the taking. And that actually ended up in being the biggest financial calamity since the depression of the 1930s. 
And, you know, without the intervention of the U.S. government back in 2008 and early 2009, by pumping hundreds of billions of dollars into the system, our society really could have went off the deep end there. And if we had gone over, the social and economic consequences could have led to civil unrest, the likes of which we've never seen. And if you think about it, at the core of all of these challenges lies trust. Can Main Street trust Wall Street? Can citizens trust politicians? Can employees trust managers? Without trust, no marriage, business, or any type of relationship can survive. It's the be-all and end-all of any worthwhile relationship, whether it's personal business or political. And when a nation loses the trust of its citizens, it's just a matter of time before the whole framework disintegrates. When people feel detached from the system, it becomes a slippery, slippery slope towards political irrelevance. And that's a dangerous thing. That's when demagogues and master manipulators can appear, as they undoubtedly do in those times. When times are troubled, it's easy for people to prey upon other people. And so at the core of life is trust. Trust in our family, in our friends, in our leaders, in our fellow citizens. And without this, our lives are just simply empty. It can't be stated enough, the importance of trust. And so we really have to understand, how do we build trust? And not let resentment and disappointment get the better of us when trust is broken. That's really key. How do we then build trust? So let's talk about that. Right now, if out there listening to this, put up your hand if you feel resentment towards someone you know, or more likely, once you knew, you once knew. Resentment's no stranger. We've all been there. It's a familiar thing in life. And perceived or real, people we know at one time or another are going to disappoint us, offend us, or break our trust. To err is to be human. And sometimes we do the inflicting. Sometimes others inflict it upon us. Sometimes it's accidental. And sometimes it's intentional. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. And obviously, we all prefer to focus on those things inflicted upon us than on those we've inflicted upon others. So key here is recognizing resentment because it takes on a life of its own. It simmers. And it cooks. It, it cooks negative energy. It takes positive energy and puts it into negative energy. It's saps our vitality and just makes us feel serves up a feast of begrudge and it never satisfies the appetite it always leaves us hungry for more when somebody we know breaks our trust our minds we just run amok with anger we can't believe it and it turns us into victims and steals precious times from us precious time and the <laughs> And we all do this. We rewind the past. We literally pause the present and put the future on hold and we just dwell upon 
what happened to us. So resentment does nothing but kill the soul and with it our joy. And it has so much to do with ego. You know, our egos get wound up in this that this endless transgression plays an endless loop in our mind. So I'm not saying we have to forget what transpired by those that may have done something to us. But we have to realize that the world is neither all good nor all bad or evil. But that there's somewhere that it lies somewhere in between. No one is perfect, and we we must be suspect of those that think they are. You know, the next time, the next time somebody crosses our path, let's think twice before resentment gets the better of us and not judge too early. We'll make our life a whole lot easier. For trust, just remember this, trust cannot exist within the confines of a resentful mind. That's really key. If you harbor resentment, you can't develop trust. You can't build trust. Now, a shining example of a man who understood this and knew how to act upon it was the late Nelson Mandela of South Africa. He was truly one of the great trust builders of our time. If you think about it, in spite of imprisonment, in spite of hatred, and in spite of his maltreatment, he rose above it all. And he rose above the resentment towards his captors. He embraced the deed of reconciliation. You know, regardless of race, color, creed, or religion, he was truly shone a beacon of reconciliation for South Africa. And with that, he epitomized the meaning of reconciliation around the world. Like, if, if there ever was a true trust builder, it was Mandela. And if you look at your own personal lives, our hardship and experiences pale in comparison to what he went through. And yet so many of us are challenged to resolve conflict, to forgive transgressions, and come to terms with differences. Instead, we harbor these grudges, we let resentment linger, and we refuse to move forward. A day doesn't pass when we don't hear about estrangement, breakups, litigation, conflict. The thought of settling differences doesn't even enter the picture. A winner-takes-all mentality pervades. Let's face it, building trust is a tough act to follow. It really means exuding love where love isn't. It means a second chance when none may be justified. It means picking the olive branch when one wants the sword. And it means believing when it's not logical to believe. It's the belief that humans can change and change for the better. And it's the belief that humans want the right thing in spite of what convention might say. And therein really resides the truth, the secret to building trust. It's a way of viewing the world that seeks the best in humans and not the worst. There's a great story, maybe some of you have heard it, uh, 
I, I'll repeat it here. I always think it's a great story of, uh, of wisdom. And it's the story of the old man on a veranda in a rocking chair at the edge of town. Any town. can be any town anywhere in the world. And a car pulls up. And the driver yells out, Hey, old man, what are the people like in this town? And not missing a beat, the old guy yells back, Tell me, what are they like in the town you're from? Terrible, just terrible, the driver shouts back. The old guy answers, Sorry, but they're terrible here too. As the, and then the driver just heads off. So an hour later, another car pulls up. And the driver, this driver yells out, Hey, old man, what are the people like in this town? And again, the old guy yells back, Tell me, what are they like in the town you're from? Fantastic, just fantastic, the driver shouts back. They're fantastic here too, the old guy replies cheerfully as the driver heads off. What does that tell you, that story? Look for trust and you will find trust. Don't look for trust and you won't find trust. And if we bring this back to Mr. Mandela, his greatness is in the fact that in spite of his suffering, he never surrendered his trust in humankind. He searched for trust and he found trust and he conquered it with forgiveness where revenge and resentment would have destroyed. It's in forgiveness that we'll find one of the key building blocks of trust. So let's talk a little bit about forgiveness. You've probably, most of you, if not all of you, have heard of the famous Irish author Oscar Wilde. He had many, many great aphorisms and uh, writings. And a great one, he said, is, Always forgive your enemies. Nothing annoys them so much. That's great advice. If we wish to keep sane and still annoy those who offend us, so it's noble to forgive. But let us ask, is it wise to forget? Is it possible to erase negative events from our memories? Some people would say true forgiveness can't happen until we forget. Perhaps, perhaps. But is wiping a misdeed from memory even physiologically possible? We're humans. We're not computers with a delete button. So admittedly, casting negative events aside has benefits. Dwelling upon wrongs, real or perceived, doesn't promote a sound mind, but it does breed volatility and spite, and there's not much forgiveness in those traits. So a degree of forgetting is necessary to forgive, but I think circumstances must dictate how far we go. For example, do we trust money with someone who's cheated us? I think not. 
We may forgive them, and we may forget the loss, as difficult as that may be, but we're hard-pressed to, to trust money to them again. On the other hand, if the misdeed was minimal, we'd be f- prone to forgive and forget, and we'd give them a second chance. If we didn't, then we'd have to question our own self-righteousness and ask ourselves if we'd ever done anything to want forgiveness from someone else. If so, wouldn't we want to be forgiven? To forgive and to forget is an exalted habit. It's easier when the person forgiven exudes earnest contrition. Obviously, if somebody comes to you and genuinely asks for forgiveness and is remorseful and is sincere about it, it makes it a lot easier. But without that, but ultimately, the beauty of forgiveness lies within the beholder. For somebody who forgives demonstrates strength, courage, and empathy. Strength, courage, and empathy. Those are traits that we all need more of. And those are traits that ultimately open us up to trust. And it's there I'll leave it today, ladies and gentlemen. We'll pick this up in part two. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you found some insightful thoughts in this. And uh, I'll carry on with part two of this in the next segment. And we'll lead off with bringing trust into our life. And how do we do that? That's it, folks, for today.